My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, man. This very special open championship recap edition of Fairway Rolling brought to you as always by our great friends at Callaway Golf and Odyssey Putters. Odyssey dominated the Open Championship putter count. The number one putter this week at the Open with 65 in play. Nearly 42% of the field. No other brand had more than 38 putters in play. In fact, Odyssey had more putters in play then the number two and number three most played putter brands combined. And you know who had an odyssey in his hands? None other than Open Championship winner Shane Lowry played with a stroke lab shaft in his Odyssey EXO two ball putter. And did he miss a putt or what? He didn't miss the whole effing tournament. Get yourself over to CallawayGolf.com and click on putters. And you can see what I'm talking about amongst all of the beautiful offerings that Odyssey has, including that EXO two-ball putter used by Shane Lowry. This episode of Fairway Rolling also brought to you by Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin, home of Whistling Straits, Black Wolf Run, and the 2020 Ryder Cup. Golf Digest has ranked all four Kohler courses in the top 100 of America's public courses. Those are courses that you can play, including Meadow Valleys, which is home to a golf hole number 14 called Nature's Course, arguably the most breathtaking hole at the entire resort. Gather your birdie buddies for the ultimate tournament-style summer golf experience. Get rolling to DestinationKohler.com to book your package today. That's DestinationKohler.com. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts, we did not have a lot of those at today's Open Championship, although Brooks Kepka gave us one. This is the recap edition of Fairway Roll in the Golf Podcast on the Ringer Podcast. 
Podcast Network. I'm your starter, Joe House. We're going to jump right into it. The Podfather, Bill Simmons, has a few thoughts. I'm down in Memphis, Tennessee with Chris Vernon, and we are going to break down all that we just watched, including some bets that we probably regret making. Well, let's jump right on into it. The first tee is open. All right, my birdie buddies, we are assembled. Chris Vernon and I are together in Memphis, Tennessee. We're looking at each other. We're actually sitting at his club, Spring Creek Ranch, just outside of Memphis. I'm looking at the 18th green right now because we're going to play some golf today. On the line right now, the podfather, we are all together for this coronation of the forgotten Irishman. Bill Simmons, how you doing? I'm sad. My guy Brooks let me down. He finished fourth. I want more from Brooks. But the, the amazing, the Irish guy winning in Ireland, I mean, come on. What's better than that? Well, it's funny. He was the so-called forgotten Irishman because obviously all the attention leading into the week uh, began and ended with Rory. And then there was a bunch of uh, Graham McDowell uh, love because he lives in Port Rush. He grew up in Port Rush. And uh, Darren Clark also got a lot of attention. His son, he, he's belonged to Port Rush his whole life. But not, you know, Shane Lowry lives like four hours away and maybe had the benefit of coming in under the radar. What do you think? I think, uh, I think we should give a little postscript for him in case something terrible happens to him tonight. I think he might have 150 beers. We just gotta, we just gotta watch out. There should be an alcohol monitor with him tonight. Everybody's gonna be buying him a drink, right? I'm worried. This is like our buddy Jacko from college. If he won the British Open, I think there's a 50-50 chance he wakes up the next day because he would try to have 200 beers and he would never want to turn a beer down. So that would actually have been more fun than watching the tournament today because the tournament was a foregone conclusion basically from the fourth hole on. I'm more interested in what happens to Shane now. Can he survive? The whole <laughs> the whole country is going to be buying him beers. I'm just now getting up off the ground because I cannot believe – that House brought up Rory's name already. Let me start with this. Bill, you have known him for over 30 years. Yeah. What is the worst thing that House has ever talked you out of? Because him on Fairway Rolling last week, talking me out of Brooks Kepka plus 115 over Rory McElroy uh, is the worst thing that has ever happened in our young relationship. It's terrible. You know, all of us wanted the Rory thing to happen because of the romance of an Irish guy potentially winning this. And then I talked to my 71-year-old father the day before the tournament, and I was like, House really likes Rory. And my dad's like, too much pressure, he'll choke. Too much pressure at home. <laughs> you know, he won't be able to do it. Rory's first round was, uh, was unfortunately, I think, going to go on the resume for him long term. That was, I mean, that was just so bad. But the, the bummer about today was the weather was so bad, it became clear, you know, within an hour that nobody was going to shoot like a 65 or a 64 or anything like that to make a real run at Shane. So all he had to do was not, what, shoot like a 77 and he was going to win that? That was, yeah. that was the, the drama was gone by the fourth hole. On that note, of the last 12 players to start, you know, the, the the last six groupings featuring twosomes, the best score of those 12 players was even par by Tony Finau. So 
the, and, and most guys uh, were the, the next closest. Lowry shot one over. Kepka shot three over. I mean, guys just got ate up in that amongst those last groups. How are you going to leave out J.B. Holmes, who was part of those, who shot 16 over? Well, 16. And took fucking five hours to do it. So that's the point to make about Brooks. It was probably the very worst possible pairing for Brooks Kepka to mount a run because Brooks is on the record as, and, and he's talked about it this year, being a guy that can't stand slow play. And already right. golf Twitter is populated. I'm looking at it right now with, with images of, of Brooks Kepka walking away from the green with him pointing at his watch at, a, at an official. And the very first thing that, that uh, our boy JB Holmes did, he teed off first. He piped one out of bounds left. So it took double the time for Brooks to tee off, and it was all downhill from there. I mean, it was it was the worst case scenario for Brooks to to mount a charge. There was some good stuff on Twitter too about this, like him a couple times just turning and walking off the green before before Holmes and fight. Yeah, I mean, it was the worst case scenario because there was a couple points when Brooks would hit a good shot, and then Holmes would hit a bad shot, which is compounded by the fact that he takes forever to shoot any shot. So like he had that there, there was that one putt in the front nine when Kepka had a chance he had an eagle putt it was makeable it was right after he had all the bogeys and then Holmes hit a terrible shot and Kepka didn't hit the eagle putt for like fifteen minutes it was just sitting there forever and uh, I don't know I, maybe that's Brooks's kryptonite maybe you know he finished I think he went two one two and four in the four majors this year, which is just incredible. I, I mean, it's honestly incredible. But maybe his kryptonite for these golfers that are in a match play situation with him or Ryder Cup or whatever is you just go slow. You you try to wear him down. You try to, like, knock him out of his game because he's definitely, like, a rhythm guy. He loves, like, just going up there and cranking it. And if you knock him out of that, maybe that would work. What was that? What was that old like William H Macy movie of the Cooler, right? Where they yeah, have yeah. Him, they have him like employed by the casino to walk around with people that are winning while they're gambling, and that's maybe that's what JB Holmes is. We just stick JB Holmes with like anybody that's doing really well, <laughs> and, and he and he screws everything up. Well, remember that happened at the major last month when Brooks was going on the run, and then who was the one that that basically hit the CBS tower? Was that, oh, that's right. Who was that house? Remember that? That was a month ago. Brooks had all the momentum at like the 11th or 12th hole. It was Louis Eusthazen on number eight. Yeah. Who ended up taking yes. forever. He hit one into the ocean, and then they had to back up. It was eight or nine. It just took forever. Yeah, and Brooks got knocked out of this little run he was about to go on. But, you know, look, it's great that Shane won. It was great that he avenged the Open from a couple years ago. But I still think, like, this This is the year of Brooks Kepka. He finishes fourth. He, I didn't even feel like he played well. Did you guys? Like, he, he was complaining after the third round that, you know, he couldn't make a putt. He felt like he was striking the ball great, and nothing was happening for him. But then he comes out for today, and he bogeys the first four holes. And at that point, it should be over. And I'm watching. I'm like, well, if he could just put together, he, then he gets an eagle on five. And it's like, well, if he could put together a couple more birdies before the back nine, he could still make a run. Like, what golfer could be down, what was he down, eight strokes heading into the final round, seven strokes heading into the final round, bogeys the first four holes, and you're thinking, oh, he can he can still get this. I, it's an incredible year for him. 
That's the thing too, because we we look at this and we say like the, the these last two. In the end, we talk ourselves into oh, don't you feel great for Gary Woodland? Don't you feel great for Shane Lowry? But it's it's unsatisfying, <laughs> you know, like no. the guy in the lead that yes, he takes all the shots and he keeps on playing well, but he just kind of holds everybody off. Because um, we do, I like look if he hits it into the crap and he can't get out of it, like. Now, all of a sudden, this becomes infinitely more interesting. But we've now had like these two majors in a row where I think we thought, hey, Woodland's going to Woodland's gonna choke this away and Kepka's going to yeah. be right there to take it. And same with today. It was like, is Shane Lowry really just going to keep playing out of his mind and hold everybody off? And like the answer, at least for these last two majors, has been yes. Like they've just held guys off. And then we at the end say, oh, you feel good for Gary Woodland. Oh, you feel good for Shane Lowry. But I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't really feel that great. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Xander Xander Schauffele threw me in a river, my dead body in a river. And therefore, yeah, I don't. I don't really. Honestly, I don't really feel great about anything. If I'm being honest, because he's because Xander set your wild on fire. Well, I I, I do want to uh, pick up on this idea of, of the of this being the year of Brooks. His T T four today, he became the fourth player in the modern era. So that's the, the since the first Masters in 1934 to finish in the top four in all majors. In a season, the fourth player since 1934 to do that. So he he joined Jack Nicholas, uh, Tiger Woods, and Jordan Spieth. If he had birdied 18, he would have completed the first season in modern golf history with top three finishes in all four majors. Wow! So and he and he just missed the putt. Right, like it was a makeable putt, and he blew it. I. He, the funny thing is, like, I didn't think he played well at the Masters, and I don't think he thought he played that well either. He finished second. I did not think he played well this tournament, and he finished fourth. I mean, he he was pretty bad today, except for the Eagle. And uh, I that's that's the legacy I think for for this year. I just feel like he's always going to be around. And you talk about the top four. And just like how rare that is, I think it's even rarer in 2019 because. There's just more good golfers than ever. The equipment's better. And it's just, it's just something that shouldn't happen. You should have one tournament where you're not in the top four, where it's just like you, you shot a 77, four other guys were hotter than you, whatever. The consistency of that, I think, is really great. And, I, and he, I'm the most excited about him as a golfer as I've been about anybody since, you know, Vintage Tiger. I really, like, I, I always want to know how he's doing. I want to bet on him. I bet on him today. He was 11-1 heading into the fourth round. And it was just, it was like, all right, if Lowry shoots a 73, which, by the way, he did, and Brooks shoots a 65, he wins the tournament. I was like, that sounds irresistible. So, you know, that's the power of Brooks. Yeah, and we needed this badly because we all got teased on the Tiger stuff, right? Like Tiger's back, and maybe this—maybe he's not going to be the old form, but he's going to be to be reckoned with when it comes to all this. And at least we've got something that we can that we can cling to, like something that we know. Like he, this guy is going to be there because Rory's not, DJ's not. You know, they tried to push Justin Rose on us. He's not. Jordan Spieth had that run, and it looked like he was going to be, you know, the guy up there for the next five years. Justin Thomas, same way. 
But like there is one dude now, at least since Tiger, that like we can count on. Like at least we know that in all these big tournaments, he's got to be reckoned with because the rest of these guys, like again, they might they might miss the cut or they might be there at the at the very end. We don't know. Yeah, I think that's a crucial point because tennis has that too, right? If the women's bracket when Serena's not in it. It's, it just feels like a mad scramble. You have no idea who anybody is. You have no yeah. history with anybody, and you kind of use her as the measuring stick for what's going on. I think on the men's side, it's the same thing with Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. If those three guys aren't in the semifinals, you don't know what's going on. It just feels like they shook the snow globe. And I think with golf, Tiger was that guy for so long. Then we didn't have the guy. Then it was like we kept trying to figure out, oh, is it this guy? Is it going to be this guy? Then Spieth had that really nice, I'm going to say like 13, 14-month run when it seemed like he might be the guy. And then he wasn't. And Brooks has now done this. This is this is two solid years of him being the best golfer in the world by far. And, uh, and I, I think it's going to stay. I think he's wired to do this. As always... My par-saving pals, today's show brought to us by our pals at Callaway Golf, makers of the Chrome Soft X Golf Ball, which you can now get with triple track technology for advanced alignment. Just last week, Dylan Fratelli used a, a Chrome Soft X Golf Ball with the triple track to win the John Deere. He brought himself on over here to the Open Championship to Northern Ireland. Kept playing with the triple track. He was inside the uh, top 50, the entirety of this tournament. I think he finished inside the top 35. Callaway's featured triple track lines on the ball for improved putting accuracy. It uses Vernier hyperacuity. That's not Verno hyperacuity. That's Vernier hyperacuity to improve alignment compared to a regular side stamp, and it makes it very easy to line up putts with it. CallawayGolf.com. Check out the triple track technology on the Chrome Soft X golf balls. The interesting thing with Lowry, I saw on, on Twitter this stat, and we have to remember this next year. We'll just bet everybody that fits this category on within two or three places. Over the last, since the inception of the official world golf ranking, the average place of the winner of the British Open has been number 33. The average age over the last 50 years of the British Open champion has been 34.2. So let me tell you what place on the official world golf ranking Shane Lowry was entering this event. He was 33rd. And let me tell you how old Shane Lowry is. He's 34. So next year, <laughs> we're going to sit down with the official world golf ranking and we're going to find what we'll do. Like, who's we're going to go 29 to 35 and we're going to look at all the guys that, that have the age range in there and we just have to bet them. Why is this shit always so easy after we lose a ton? <laughs> like, why? Why is it like, oh, this is all you had to do was look who here's the average. Like, why didn't we cover this last week? Yeah, he was 45 to one, right? 66. 66. 56 to 1. 66. We're we're letting Tommy 66 to 1. Jesus. We're letting Tommy Fleetwood off the hook. He, no, no, we're not. No, no, we are. Because this is somebody we've been waiting for to have his weekend. And it was all lined up for him this weekend. 
And once it got about 15 degrees mile an hour, 50 mile an hour winds, Tommy weighs about a buck 20. And it just, it just looked like at that point, am I, am I taking the guy who looks like a buck 20 and his, go, and his locks are flowing behind him and it looks like he's going to get blown over when he's sitting at three wood? Or am I taking the stocky dude from Ireland who's played in <laughs> shitty weather for his whole life and is like totally ready for this? I, obviously, you're going with Shane. <laughs> two, two thoughts on that. In the first place, we've been calling him three-round Tommy here on Fairway Roland because... Uh, this season, he has not been able to string together four rounds, and he's had a couple rounds where uh, a couple tournaments where it's like, "Hey, this could be a Tommy Fleetwood breakthrough," and then he has one round that sabotages it. But the thing that f- today dissuaded me from from uh, getting excited about Tommy, and I was having a little exchange on the text with brother verno here we were like hey they're just getting underway should we live bet tommy right now and fleetwood missed like what was it a 12 footer a 10 footer a very 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 makeable putt on number one uh and he missed it in a way that i did not like one bit he like (laughs) waved at it and it was a real sissy soft putt that (laughs) fell off on the wrong side and i said nope i can't do it if he's going to come out soft like that, if he had made that putt and and Lowry did indeed bogey the first hole, that that changes the entire like dynamic of how those guys feel about themselves and what, how they walk to the next tee, and it could change the tournament. But we didn't get well, it here's out the of Tommy. Thing. He, he was four back heading into the last round. Lowry shot a 73, plus one. So he basically, he didn't totally put the tournament away. He kind of, you know, he left the door open. He, he, there was the alarm system was not on. The door was not locked. And Tommy shot a 75. If he shot a 69, we might be going to a playoff. You know, it, like 69 is not unreasonable. I don't care about the conditions. I know they were bad. I know they got worse as it went along. It started to look like golden tea when you're playing golden tea at midnight and, and you decide to play the pro version. All of a sudden there's 20 mile an hour wins. But, you know, it was sitting there for him is the point. And, it's understandable why he didn't come through in the weather. I get all that, but at some point he needs a moment. You can't just be the I'm the next I'm the next guy, maybe, oh, watch out for this guy. Like at some point you're in your mid thirties and you're not that guy anymore. I'ma tell you, I am incredibly jealous of both of you guys for staying with your breakup of Tommy Fleetwood because you you guys have ditched him and like true to form, house tells the truth. I asked, I was like, hey, you know, if we don't believe that Shane Lowry's really going to hold everybody off, the other guy right behind him is Fleetwood, and he stuck to his guns. He said, no, we are not yep. taking Tommy Fleetwood, whereas with me, and I've been continuing this analogy, so I said that, like, you know, during uh, whatever it was, the PGA, I had Xander Schauffele 18th or better, or it's not, it was roughly like that, right? And the guy bogeys the last four holes of the tournament and ends 19th. And I said, I'm done with him. Like an ex-girlfriend, you know, I'm done. I've broken up. I've broken up with him. And then we get back together for like a one-night stand at the U.S. Open in the final round. He kills it. He ends up getting like third in the U.S. Open. I was like, you know what? We had one amazing night together. And maybe <laughs> me and her can work it out. <laughs> and so I rolled back with her. And I said, you know what? We're going to try. And now, like today, she has, not only has she cheated on me again, she has Snapchatted me 
pictures of her having sex with another man. Oh, no. Yeah, that's uh, Andrew Shoffley wow, with his enough. plus seven? Jeez. Seven? Plus seven. Think of the children. You know, know. House, maybe we should switch our affection and love for Fino. The No Laying Up guys tweeted this, and I knew he was doing well this year, but I didn't really really think it was this good. Last eight majors, five top tens, three top fives, and including the Masters where he dislocates his ankle, celebrating a hole-in-one on the par three, snaps it back in, and then made the top ten anyway. Maybe maybe Finau should be our guy. Should we adopt him and dump Fleetwood? I'm ready. I'm ready to dump Fleetwood. I hate to tell you I've lived the Finau life, but I've lived it. And, it did. <laughs> and even in the, the, the problem is all the other tournaments. There's only four of these. So if you want to yeah. roll with Finau in the four, go ahead. But like this week-to-week stuff, if you got a friggin' off tournament in Arizona, don't bet on him. Yeah, well. Because <laughs> I, 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 every time I'm like, well, geez, man, there ain't – like, like you look at this field, and he's clearly one of the best guys in this field that's playing this, you know, tournament in Wisconsin this weekend. And then he never does anything for me. Like, and I, and I love him, but he's a major bet. Like, I and again, that's that's why I got so caught up with the Shawfle stuff, right? It's like, okay, yeah. uh, you know, at least in all the majors, this guy shows up. And in fairness. You know, John Rahm's been boomer bust too. I know you guys had a little dalliance with him, uh, but he's either missing the cut or he's awesome. Like, there's really I'm no out. in between. Really, no in between no, with that. I'm out on John Rahm. I deleted his contact information <laughs> yeah. from my phone. How, we, can we, we talk about enough. a couple of the couple of the uh, shit the bed performances today? Can start oh, with please. Xander plus seven for Xander. Uh, yeah. Matt Kutcher was plus eight. Justin Rose plus eight. Spieth was plus six. Stenson was plus five. Our boy John Rahm was plus four. That's plus eight. You're shooting an 80. That's pretty rough. Did you send Bill my bet sheet? Because <laughs> you're naming <laughs> off every single guy that I got my ass kicked with. Well, like, uh, that's true of a, of a lot of us. And <laughs> I, I will say this would have been, we if we were smart, we obviously aren't. But, Bill, we've been talking about the F-Boys on the podcast all season long. We've been talking about Finau, Fleetwood, and Fowler in these big events, starting with the Players' Championship and then on through the majors. And we speculate and we say, oh, is this the one? Are we going to do it? And every big tournament they've let us down, we should have coming into this one that uh, the F-Boys, to their credit, if we had parlayed a top 10 finish for Fowler, Finau, and Fleetwood, that would have been cash money in the bank because the worst performer of those of those three was Ricky Fowler, tied for six at, at five under. And then don't forget uh, the villain Patrick Reed, minus oh, four. That's for sure, he was in Top there. Ten. I, I even mentioned this. I mentioned this to House. I said I don't. I don't think I've seen him hit a shot. It's like, this guy's going to end up in the top 10. I don't think I even saw him uh, hit a shot the whole day. And regarding that Fleetwood, Finau, whatever, you flipped out when Azinger, first hole of the day, Fowler gets up there and hits it straight out of bounds off the tee. And they're like, oh, what a bad break. Well, he, he hit it up the right side, and it hit a dude who was standing on the out-of-bound line. And Zinger's like, oh, what a bad break. That's so un- unfair to Ricky. And I was like, no, it wasn't. 
He hit the ball on the out of bound line. He like hit if a you person. hit it, if you hit it on that line, there's a possibility that it's going to bounce out. And it hit a dude and bounced out. So could it have hit the dude and stayed in? Sure, but how about this? Don't hit the ball dead right. And how about if we're going to talk about who's unlucky? How about the friggin' dude that's standing <laughs> out there? You you, think, you feel like you might be safe with Ricky Fowler teeing off. Surely he's not going to hit me with the ball. Right. <laughs> the uh, I wanted to mention um, the the hole that Brooks eagled. I think that was the fifth hole. Yeah. Where you could you had a choice whether you could you could basically drive it for an eagle or be a little safer and try to get a birdie. I love holes like that. I just want to point that out. I feel like every major should have that one hole where it's where the, where somebody like Brooks is like, I'm strapping it on. I'm, I'm going right for the eagle, and if I get a hole in one, even better. And then there are the other guys who are like, I'm going to lay up a little short and try to chip this in for a birdie. I just love those. How how long was that hole house? It, it, I think it played at 560 or something like that, 570. But, it, you know, the yardage is kind of irrelevant because the wind, you know, affects so much. But honestly, the big winner of this Open w- was the golf course. I mean, Northern Ireland showed out. It was spectacular. The first time in Open Championship history, they sold every single ticket to the entire thing starting Thursday all the way through Sunday. And, you know, the the difficulty that everybody forecasted if there was any bad weather at all we sure did see that come come home they sure did deliver that and imagine if they'd kept the tea times where they were uh today they moved them up because they were really worried about the weather interrupting play but still the last uh uh 10 groups i think uh were, were over par it's just an incredible performance by the golf course yeah i meant i meant double eagle not all in one the the the, the the course kind of reared its ugly head that first day when Duvall had the 14. What did he, what did he end up with a 14? And uh, and somebody else got crushed. I think that's a that's a British Open staple. Yeah. That in that first day, somebody just has to get annihilated. So at least there's a little <laughs> bit of a fear factor. And even when you're watching on the fourth day, and the leader is up, you know, by six strokes, you still have that Duvall hole in the back of your head and you're like well if anyone if there's any major somebody could shoot a 10 to blow a, t- a major it's this one well he did it and then we had uh our boy jb home shoot six, 16 over today so it was at the beginning of the tournament and the end of the tournament house the, being the experienced having golfed at many people's golf courses person that you are <laughs> How much of an advantage did it feel like that Lowry just knew that course? Because watching it on TV, and I have no idea like how many times he played it. I'm sure there was information on that. But he just seemed like that guy in the club who's won the club championship a couple times and knows, you know, oh, I'm not going to hit a driver on this. That's stupid. I'm, I'm going to break out the old three, or I'm going to go short on this, or I'm going to hit this one low because I don't want the wind to take it. Just seemed like he had the tricks. The, the two things that I would, I totally agree with you. Uh, and the two things that he seemed to have working, he had this little cut, this low cut that he could hit off the tee as kind of his fairway finder, his safety shot. Um, the one that, that he knew would roll out. So he would have yardage. And the other thing he was just impeccable at was his wedges. He was clearly getting the yardages, yardages that he was comfortable with. And then his wedge play. I mean, the 63 that he shot, uh, on Saturday, one of the best rounds in the history of the British Open, but he was pin seeking in a way that nobody else 
could even uh, imagine uh, yesterday. And it's because of, of how comfortable he clearly felt at those yardages and with the ball flight. He was getting the ball to stop on a dime. On, it felt like every single hole. So you think it's like when Verno wins the FedEx someday? It'll just be like he had some advantages? <laughs> He's, no he's down here in Memphis taking care of business. <laughs> I know where not to hit it. <laughs> that's the only thing. That's the only thing I know. I I know this. That course, I was the weather made that thing impossible to predict. And I do think, in fairness to Lowry, it did make it all that much more impressive. Because even if you're thinking he knows the course, even if he knows where to hit it, like the winds are like twenty miles an hour. <laughs> Pouring rain. The guy's got a you know a umbrella that's having to cover him the entire time. You know your hands are wet. Like you're, and you've got all the pressure of holding everybody off for him to never screw up. For him to never like pull the even the double triple bogey down the stretch. It it just never happens. So I mean, I do get to give that guy a lot of credit. He he held on tight. My biggest disappointment, and I can make this joke because I'm 25% Irish. I, when they cut to his family at the end, he's, what is he, like 33, 34? I thought he would have had five kids already. Where, where were, like, the five kids ranging from age five to age, you know, eight months? He's only had one. Come on, Shane, get to work. Have some more children. The Irish like to reproduce. We may, we may, we may not, they may not have just been invited, you know? Oh, it's po- yeah, that's true. It's possible that they were all at home. Or the the other option is the two hundred beers tonight. There's a there's the count on one in the oven. Oh yeah, Shane's having a kid. Ten months from now, lock it down. Shane Lowry Jr. I wish we could bet on Clara. that. Let's get that. His daughter Clara Jug Lowry. What's your, what's your what's your new betting thing? You're allowed to put in props. I want to put in that prop. Will Shane Lowry have a kid in ten months? Shane Lowry will have a kid within the next eleven months. Yes. Can I bet that Xander Schauffele won't? <laughs> <laughs> those are two great ones. Put those in for us, Simmons. <laughs> I have to go. Speaking of kids, my kids are about to uh, cause a coup d'état. I enjoyed it, fellas. Thanks for having right, me. Thanks, Podfather. Thank all right, my thanks to the Podfather as always. Before Verno and I break down a little bit more of the nitty gritty with this tournament and our thoughts on the season in review up to up to this minute, a couple words from some friends of ours. Zip Recruiter hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. All you have to do is go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, Fairway Rolling listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Also, quick word from our friends at Destination Kohler, Birdie Buddies, this episode of Fairway Rolling. 
brought to you by our friends at Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin, home of Whistling Straits, Black Wolf Run, and the 2020 Ryder Cup. It's the first public course in a generation to host the Ryder Cup, and Golf Digest has all four of these Pete Dye-designed Kohler courses ranked in the top 100 of America's public courses. Meadow Valleys at Black Wolf Run features one of the most visually stunning holes at Destination Kohler. Number 14, Nature's Course, is a par 4 that features Wisconsin nature at its finest, along with a railroad car bridge, a signature of designer Pete Dye. The best in the world are coming to take on the Destination Kohler. You should, too. Gather yourself a group of 12 or more of your Eagle enthusiasts. The PGA professionals at Destination Kohler can help arrange a tournament-style experience complete with Ryder Cup-inspired customized add-ons. My birdie buddies, rounds for this summer are still available, and 2020 rounds are open as well. Time to get rolling to DestinationKohler.com to book your golf package today. That's DestinationKohler.com. Uh, all right, Verno, there are still a handful of topics that we have to conquer here. Uh, let's talk about the broadcast. So we both had, you know, we were. I'm I'm down here in Memphis, Tennessee, with you. We're on Central Time. We had to wake up early, and the uh, pre- prevailing experience. I'm in bed watching this. Was you know, little chunk of golf, little story commercials, little chunk of golf, and it was the 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 guys within kind of like. 10 shots or so was about when I started to get interested within 10 shots of the lead. Those are the guys that I was interested in seeing. And it just got to be a goddamn sludge because <laughs> the commercials were killing it for me. What, what, how, what are you, what was your experience? I am at least not, I'm, I don't notice as much when they split the screen. Mm. But it did feel like an excessive amount of time with the split, <laughs> with the screen split. Like I'm, I think that is a, a happy medium, right? Okay, you're not gonna make me miss tons of action in order to have the commercials. But I think it, it, it takes away from the fact that all right, now I've been cool with this. I'm cool with the split screen, but don't overdo the split screen on me. That's it. I don't, I don't want to watch the whole thing on a split screen and it did feel excessive. It felt like an excessive amount of time in the split screen. So between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock Eastern, which for us was uh, uh nine o'clock and 10 o'clock, which, which is really like when the tournament, yes. you know, when interesting stuff was happening, they'd had 14 minutes worth of, of commerce combined commercial. And the thing, I think the point that you're making, we have this experience now of of being, I guess, spoiled, except for this is the best way to deliver this product. With the U.S. Open and the Masters, we have extended, uninterrupted play. We have a single sponsor, commercial sponsor, uh, uh, you know, some company, Rolex, I think, does it for uh, – I don't know. I don't want to give a shout-out to the companies. I don't remember who does it anyway. But we don't have any commercials. We're able to just watch – the leaders go play uninterrupted golf. Well, and it needs to be for golf. Like, could you imagine? Like, all right, so a weekend ago, I I don't I don't particularly watch a lot of tennis. I go out of my way to watch Wimbledon. 
well, what if we were splitting the screen on Federer and uh, you know on 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 the, on the Federer match versus Djokovic? Yeah, you know that goes like five, and that thing went over five hours. But you're not splitting the screen the whole time. Like golf is one of those. Like in football, we don't miss a play. In baseball, we don't miss a play, and so in basketball, we don't miss a play because of it. But in these other sports, and yeah, we do get spoiled because that's the way it is when we're getting to see it uh, in these other big tournaments. But now, like, that's what you kind of become used to. And so when you go from extreme to extreme, it feels like, right? Because yeah. I would rather, I'm not kidding, I would rather you take your two commercial breaks in the hour. Or whatever. Right. You know, take your two commercial breaks. I'll run out. I'll go take a piss. I'll come back. But, like, now you're kind of bastardizing it because I'm like, I might miss something. I might not. But I can't even hear what they're talking about anyway. I don't even know what he's hitting. Exactly. Exactly. That that That's that's the, the, the point to all of it. If you are going to interrupt the broadcast with kind of a regular tournament slate of commercials, if you're going to denigrate a major – in that in that fashion, at least have the courtesy to tell us when the commercials are going to be, so that we can get up and, and sort of plan around it. the 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 problem that we had was there was no way to build like viewing momentum. Like I couldn't feel the possibility of anybody starting to get hot because they weren't showing me anybody within again that ten shot range with enough frequency for me to get a feel for whether any of them had anything going. Like. In the way that earlier in the chat with Simmons, I said to you, I really doubted Fleetwood's possibility today because I saw him miss a putt on number one in a way that I didn't like. Like, you know, that so yeah. I didn't get to see other guys like that. I didn't get to see. We talked about Patrick Reed. Was he hitting the ball well at the beginning? You know, he, he ended up having a, a pretty uh, a decent overall tournament. And how about how little we saw Finau? Right. How, so, many, how many shots do you remember watching Tony Finau hit off a tee? Like ever? I saw him hit three shots. I saw him at the very beginning of his round, and I took note of like, hey, that's a cool hoodie. He Kudos to Finau for the Nike hoodie, by the way. I've been getting on Nike lately, but uh, that, that hoodie was dope. I want to try and snag one of those for my It's like a side. rain hoodie. Yeah, rain yeah. hoodie. I know. I'm, that's, I, can, I think I can rock that. It was good. And so, no, now we – and and the other thing is like say even at Augusta, even at like Pebble Beach, like I know the holes. I know when they're hit, right? I yes. don't know Royal Portrush. So like half this time, unless you've got the number in the corner and they're teeing off, I don't even know what number these guys are on. Right. Seriously. Like yeah. if you're going through a split screen and they got Charmin or whoever on the right and you got some dude hitting a shot on the left, I'm like, what hole is he on? What 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 stroke is he hitting? See, it, it does make it hard to keep up with. Whereas like these other tournaments – I'm aware of those courses, and I know exactly what hole they're on. It's an awesome point. The, the, this tournament, more than any other, it's important to your viewing audience, to your American viewing audience, to keep them in the loop on what's happening because most of us have not seen these courses with any kind of, you know, we, our, 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 our muscle memory in our brains is not recalling. And obviously, Royal Portrush, where they haven't been in 61 years, none of us have ever seen it. So Sunday, when all eyes are on you or on your broadcast, you need to be mindful of the education component. We need a lot more information as we watch this golf broadcast, this major golf broadcast, than the other majors. We need a lot more. Well, and here's another whole uh, with 
a lot of long grass on the outside of it and a bunch of <laughs> sand. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the other problem. Yeah. It's not like every hole had – I mean, the par three that they kept showing guys, the 190-yard par three, like that one became – I became familiar with that hole. Yeah, Because yeah. guys are just trying to sting the ball low and land it on there because it goes downhill. But at the end of the day, like – I couldn't tell you, even after watching this whole tournament, I couldn't tell you like, oh, did you see what he did on number four, on number seven? Like in the same way that we have uh, such recall about every hole. And then we even feel like we know how to play the holes. Like anybody that even played the video games growing up. Right. You know what I mean? You played Pebble Beach a thousand times. You played Augusta a thousand times. Right. How many times you played Royal Portrush? On a, on a video game. Like, I know. I not know. the same amount. No, not the same amount. All right. Well, not not high grades for NBC uh, on the broadcast. Verno, this, I'm sad to, to, to say, is the end of major season here uh, on tour. I want to make sure we get some, some clo- closing thoughts. This is uh, a very early end to the golf season, um, the, the major season, because of the change to the schedule. So, uh, well, it started off unbelievable. Yeah. We started off with the greatest moment and it will, when, when all said and done and the book is closed on sports in 2019, that tiger is going to be a top three moment of the sports year. Wouldn't you agree? I oh, mean, it's, of course it's going to be one of the top three sports moments of 2019. Yeah. We and, still have half the year to go, but I, I think it's the number, the leading contender right now, right? Like what surpasses tiger winning the masters again? I mean, uh, not yeah, the be- Patriots winning the Super Bowl not, again. T- not not Toronto, probably. Yeah, not Toronto, not Toronto. winning the. I NBA. suppose something something crazy could happen for a World Series, but that's never going mean, to resonate if- the same way. Individuals doing, you know, it, like Federer winning Wimbledon right. would have gotten that up there been real up quick. There. Um, but and in, always individual sports, somebody doing the incredible. Uh, even that, even that, like, look. Even the Andy Ruiz thing, knocking out Anthony Joshua. You know, it's a moment. Right. For sure. Like, it is something that we will remember happening, even though, you know, what, 90 to 99% of sports fans weren't watching that when it happened. It's just an awareness of. It felt like everybody, everybody was enjoying the Masters together. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that that was happening. So I do think with the major season over, while the last two became, I would say, a little underwhelming, not not as a slight to Woodland and Lowry, but simply as it's always better to have a dominant figure in the individual sport. The same way he was talking about Serena, the same way as you want to see. Usain Bolt race, the same way you wanted to see Mike Tyson fight or Anderson Silva when he was kicking, uh, you know, no no pun intended, uh, for the (laughs) uh, UFC. Like, you want to see the dominant figure, and especially after the PGA, it's like, damn, man, Brooks is going to be the guy. He's going to be the one to be reckoned with. And he was the guy to be reckoned with, but we had two game competitors in the last two majors where Woodland was in the lead and then we're going into Sunday and we're going, really, is Gary Woodland going to hold everybody off? Like, there's a lot of pressure here. And the answer was yes. And with Shane Lowry, we did the exact same thing. Really? 
Is Shane Lowry going to hold everybody off? And the answer was yes. Yeah, I, I distinguish the U.S. Open from the Open Championship that just ended in, in the following way. Brooks did come out and put pressure. I mean, he came out and strung together birdies and immediately put himself, you know, it, it was clear what he had bad intentions on that Sunday. And he did have the sporting public, the sporting world, you know, it was prime time on Father's Day. Brooks Kepka making a charge and it, and it blasted all the way up till, you know, he missed the birdie putt on 18 because uh, Woodland was so far right on 17 that he had to chip it. I, you still wonder what Woodland might have, what might have happened to him if he heard the roar of the crowd on 18 had uh, Brooks got that birdie putt in before he chipped, before Woodland chipped on 17. So that one at least had drama yeah, up, to, up to those holes. This uh, open championship with Lowry, that was just a coronation. Nobody got within four, four shots of the closest Tommy Fleetwood got to him was four shots today. Yeah. Um, so that's right. And he did have a chance. He did have a chance on the one that he, you know, he finally got a bogey out of Lowry. Problem is Fleetwood double bogeys it. Yeah, that's on, right. On 14. Well, the guy that, that had statistically uh, possibly the best season going certainly into this event. And then, you know, after this event, he pro- his stats probably took a little hit uh, was Roy McElroy because he started off the season with a whole string of top six finishes and he showed up a couple times on Sundays with the chance of going out and winning tournaments. And then he went and won the players. You're really going to bring up this guy's name again. <laughs> All right, anybody can go back to the last fairway roller. The first subject I bring up was how saying how much money can we put on Brooks versus Rory in the U.S. Open. And that worked out famously. Great bet. I turn around and I say, Pouch, you're never going to believe this. This guy is plus 115 against Rory McIlroy. Allow me to remind you that there's only two. Now the list moves to three, or I guess, well, I guess it's grew, it grew bigger this week, yeah. this weekend. But going into this tournament, only two guys had beaten Brooks Kepka thus far, and those were Tiger Woods and Gary Woodland. That was it. And here I am looking plus 115 in the face, and I ended up going with Brooks over DJ as the big one, which worked out great. But I may never forgive you for the. <laughs> I mean, that is all I, mean, I want. I, I, it, it's Brooks Kepka versus Rory McElroy. Well, here's the mistake: we should have done Brooks against everybody because there weren't any matchups of Brooks versus uh, Shane Lowry or Brooks versus Fleetwood. All the Brooks bets were Brooks versus McElroy, Brooks versus yep. Tiger, Ver- Brooks versus DJ. I think there were five bets. He beat them all. I mean, and and I, the only one that I was on was Brooks versus Tiger because I, I I didn't like what we heard okay, out of Tiger at well, the beginning of the week. And we, we this is what we need to cover because we have not spent a lot of time on this. We hoped that after the U.S. Open, we haven't seen him play since. We know that the record is bad for guys that have not played since the U.S. Open. By the way, uh, Shawflay falls into that category. Thanks. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I, didn't, I didn't listen to that stat regarding him. So we had hoped against hope that, like, okay, as the season goes on, like, we're on to something. This is going to be – is he back in the sense that he's going to be in contention? And his whole schedule – as he has said many times, 
is based around the majors. And so that's when we get our hopes up the most. Now, in fairness, you did not feel good about this at all going into the tournament. You stated this last week. Um, I was a wait and see, and it took us, what, an hour yeah. to wait and see? And then it's like, is he friggin' hurt? Right. What's wrong with it? He feels like hell. He's hitting the ball. He's spraying the ball everywhere. It's like, he doesn't look right. Is it because it's cold outside? What's going on with him? And so, you know, as we're doing this, like, kind of, I don't know, short history of what happened with the majors this year, it started off with that amazing sports moment. Oh, by the way, on an aside, I was trying to jog my memory as you were talking about if there's anyone that we missed. That women's soccer team is going to be up there, too. Yeah, that's a great point. As, uh, that'll be up there yeah, at the end of there. the year. Yes. As things that have already happened this season. Good point. That will be something that will be up there, too. But the Tiger winning the Masters is right there to be reckoned with. And for it to start off with that much promise, you have the guy telling us it's all about the majors with me. And then he goes out and he wins it. And it's like, all right. And so I still was holding on to a shred of hope. My whole schedule, everything I'm doing is scheduled around the Masters. And then obviously Beth Page Black um, was a disaster. The U.S. Open, he played great in that last nine holes. Yeah. But he had already taken himself out of it. Yeah. When we felt good about him going into Pebble Beach, given his history there. And then this one much like Beth Page Black was an abject disaster. So I think there's there's two uh, considerations uh, here and some things that have come to light after he left um, uh, Northern Ireland here. In the first place, I think we can say now that while he will continue to point to the majors and focus all of his energy on trying to perform well at those, and, and he's played the fewest number of tournaments in a season when he's not been hurt, I think probably in his whole career. Um, so he scheduled himself to be successful at the majors, but I, he, and this isn't a criticism, the, the compressed nature of the schedule now didn't really permit him honestly to recover from winning the masters because he pointed to that as being the thing that got in the way of him having any chance at all at the PGA. He just didn't have the time to practice and then between the PGA championship and the U S open, I, I don't know, you know, it sounded like he was in pretty positive, both physical and um, mental state entering that U S open. Uh, so I'm not sure what to attribute the inconsistent play there. And then he took that full month off, but he filled it up. He was not practicing what he was. He went to Thailand with his family he went and visited his with his mom and his mom's family. He took his kids. He's exhausted. And then he was waking up. We saw on Instagram, waking up at 1 in the morning to start acclimating his body clock to the Northern Ireland time. I mean, he, he finished, missed the cut on Friday and said, I just want to go home and go to bed. He was exhausted. And we look and say, what have you been doing? You just had a month off. What do you need to go home and go to bed for? You haven't played in five weeks. Well, but he's he's out doing this other stuff, and I think it's the case he's got other life priorities now, like his 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 relationship with his kids. The other thing, he's the president's cup captain. He has ob ob uh, obligations in connection with that. Like him being healthy again and winning the Masters creates this whole new set of opportunities 
that along with it comes a bunch of responsibility. And he's, I think, willing to go ahead and, and push that because it's the 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 window on that's closing, and his golf suffers as a result. Well, and the crazy thing is, we turn we turn back the clock to last year, and it was. It wasn't the majors, but it well, it was the last one. British Open. He's right there, and in fact, he's got a lead. And then he ends up uh, right there at Bell Reef. Yeah, and and he's got and he's got a chance. And then he wins the tournament to end the year. Yeah. Then we turn around this year. He wins the Masters, and it's like you know there there had been a trajectory, yes. and that felt like a culmination of rather than uh, you know like that. All right, he's trending up, 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 and then it has been swiftly down since that moment. And if you would have asked us, I think, you know, especially after the Masters, knowing the U.S. Open is at Pebble Beach, um, if that was even the only one that he was going to be highly successful at, for him to not be in the mix for any of the last three, and he was not. In no, the mix. He was not on in the mix. any of the last three. Yeah. He had that great last nine holes at Pebble Beach. We didn't see him. He wasn't even on TV. They showed him like on 18. Yeah. That was the only time we saw him. You're and, right. And, and that was it. So, and then obviously Beth Page, we don't see him, at, you know, on the weekend. And then at this one, uh, British, we don't see him on the weekend. And so it's interesting to see, you know, even he, it, it's weird how it's fluctuated. He was so great at the end of the season, right? And then the Ryder Cup, we just want to erase that. Well, because he that was another one where he just needed to go to bed. Like yeah, and him then, getting on a plane after winning East Lake, winning the Tour Championship at yeah. East Lake, and then getting on a plane and flying to France, nothing could have been worse for him so, than that. So now he doesn't look like himself there. He does the Tiger versus Phil thing, which yeah, is a debacle. Nonsense stuff. Um, but then cranks it right back up and wins at Augusta, and we're like, okay, you know, this is more like – what we had seen, we saw him put together these unbelievable rounds, like like several times. Yeah, and the stats were all with him too. Like all they the were. stats guys were saying, like, look, he's playing this as well as you know. There were some stats that he was doing as well as two thousand Tiger. Right, like that's how good he had gotten. Yeah, and. And then it all, like, we, number one, we're not seeing him play. Number two, when we do see him play, he's nothing like that guy that we saw at the end of last year or at Augusta. To start well, you know why? Because he won the Masters. Yeah. That was it. Like, that was, it, it was just too much. He wasn't physically, psychologically, spiritually able to rebound from that. You, you talked about, you know, we saw Killer Tiger. We saw Killer Tiger from the British Open last year through to winning the Masters. Oh, and this our is expectation is... Well, how about this? How Maybe it is... You know, now that you say that, you know what my mind immediately went to was that interview after where it was basically, my kids have never seen this. And right. now, they, now they know, yeah, dad's pretty good. And it's like, I know that sounds, you know, kind of flippant to say uh, i know maybe, maybe it doesn't sound flippant you and i both have children yeah like what if what if that's what really mattered to him right it was really about hey i, I want i don't want this to be youtube videos or old videos that my kids see i want my kids to see that i can still do this and so that becomes the most important thing to you, the most important thing to you is to prove to not only yourself, but now in front of your kids who are old enough to remember 
that dad can do this and he can be the best golfer in the world and you get to see him as the best golfer in the world. And so when he did that, that there is, that's almost like, you know, when we talk about, you know, a, a basketball player having a contract year. Right, yeah. Like the the contract, That's right? The contract to attain. You said it was this moment of I'm the man again. My kid saw me be the man again, and he proved to himself he couldn't believe yeah. it himself. And so now it's like, all right, I did it. So there is this sense of accomplishment, and, and I don't. I don't say that that sense of accomplishment made him feel satisfied. I just think that it created a level of of just opportunity and pressure to be to like he was restored as the face of golf as the public yep. face of professional golf that top of the very top of of the uh, uh mountain face of golf and and the entire industry and every all the all the whole sporting world is like tiger is back yep. and so it just created a, 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 its own uh type of of just uh, pressure is the best word I can come up with on his time, on his mind, on his body that he didn't know have, you know, the ability to say, Oh no, let's not do this stuff. Let's ignore these opportunities. I'm sorry, kids. I'm going to have to have the girlfriend drop you at school. No, he didn't do any of that. He's like, let's hear what we're, what are the opportunities? He celebrated for two and a half weeks. We know that. Yep. And then he just like, you know, lived that, that public life as, as a restored champion. My birdie buddies, today's fairway rolling brought to us as always by Callaway Golf. Callaway has its own podcast network. So in addition to listening to this great content, you can get yourself over to Callaway Golf. Dot com. They have a media button there, all kinds of great shows. They have brand new ship shows, which is their insider uh, marketing folks breaking down all things Callaway and things going on in the golf world. A new fitting room podcast, which is their tech guys talking all things with, with the uh, uh, fittings and so forth. Putting podcast and girls and golf podcasts. They have a lot of interesting stuff going on. The Callaway Golf Podcast Network. Check it out today at CallawayGolf.com. You know, to piggyback on that, we moved to Memphis this week. And yeah. it wasn't until the end of the week. You know, he has never played in the tournament in Memphis. Uh -huh. And Memphis now has a much greater significance than ever before because it is a uh, a WGC event yes. that is going to be here. Now, I believe 46 of the top 50 in the world. He is one of those four. He has never played. Obviously, they have tried through uh, channels with St. Jude, which is uh, one of the greatest places in the world uh, for childhood cancer, which is based in Memphis. Yes. And they have tried, they've tried every angle under the sun uh, for the last, you know, 20 years to get Tiger to play in the tournament. And so this was the year it was like, okay, it's the WGC. You know, there's big money on the line, right, for any of well, these guys. Well, guaranteed money. Everyone that shows up gets yes. paid. And there is uh, a minimum amount of uh, tournaments that, you know, you, you are supposed to play in order to qualify for this and this. I, I suppose he is exempt from that. But anyway, it was like, hey – now this is one with the top 50 players of the world. You got all the setup in the world. You know, FedEx will fly in a plane over here, the whole yeah. nine, whatever. And obviously 
you know, for everybody that lives in the Memphis area like myself, it was about an hour into the round on Thursday. Like, well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> he, he ain't coming. You know, you know what I mean? Like, he may just withdraw. Yeah, right. Like, is he – something is awry. Right. So, like, is right. he going to even play this out? Yeah. You know, for the – is he even going to play the Friday round? Like, he looks like he needs to fly home now, much less, you know, commit because the deadline was Friday. Um, and so it turns out it's going to be an amazing tournament. Yeah. But because of his status and because of him – Becoming Tiger again at the Masters, it it became a different deal. And so people got their hopes up regarding it. And so to see him flailing at the end, and I guess it would be it would be worse if he wasn't playing terribly and like if he goes and we get to top five at the British Open and then says, nah, I ain't playing in that. Right. That would have been but, worse. But he clearly is not in no, form. That's right. And He's then, not in form. So who wants to go out there and see somebody limping around no. like he was? You know what I mean? Like we don't, it, there's we, there is I do take a, a bit of solace in that. That's not how we want to see our heroes. And you said the 46 of the 50. I mean, I'm down here in Memphis. We're just going to have to be satisfied, Verno, with seeing DJ and Brooks Kepka yep. and and, and uh, Rory supposed to be coming yep. and and George, uh, Justin Thomas just had a Speed. damn good tournament. It's loaded. I mean, it's it's loaded. loaded. It's loaded. It's going to be an uh, un- unbelievable time. And I, I will say, it looks like I'm looking at the hot wire right now. We have confirmation. A gentleman who just finished inside the top 10 at the Open Championship is lined up, potentially, now fingers crossed, to come have some fried chicken with us. Unfortunately, it does not seem like Kiradak Effie Barnrat, who uh, hails from Thailand and his appetite precedes him. I don't think we're going to get uh, Kiradak to come join us, but I do I do have a, a, a line. We, we will be uh, hopefully eating some Gus's fried chicken with, you can look at the list, and, and think about who, who you would like to see us eat with. But a guy who finished in the top 10 at the British Open is presently lined up. So I'm hoping that happens. Who? I'm not telling you. Oh, you're not but, telling me? I'll tell you after we hang up. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. how about that? Listen, there, uh, and you, it could be a, a, a myriad of names because, uh, like I said, outside of, outside of Tiger, Ricky um, is, is not coming. But, I mean, generally – all the best of the best are are going to be here for yes. this tournament, and I encourage everybody out there to golf in. You know, it is it has always been a, a tournament uh, on the tour. Uh, FedEx and St. Jude have been a part of this for years and years and years, and you will see the kids from St. Jude being very involved in that. Uh, you will see the houses around the 18th green with the massive St. Jude posters. And it, it's a tournament where it always, not all tournaments do this. Some golf tournaments are just golf tournaments. This one has an incredible cause. You will see people out there. Everybody that works there is volunteers. They're holding up hush y'all signs. And it's a, it's a different experience uh, to say the least. And everything is focused on this amazing children's hospital that we have here in Memphis, St. Jude, and draws attention and national attention to that. And it becomes, for all the people that are here that visit, that come in contact with the kids that go out there, it becomes this life-altering experience. And what we have found is that many of the guys um, 
that Phil Mickelson will tell you it's one of his favorite places to come and has had an involvement there. Dustin Johnson, who won it last year by holding out on 18. You know, m- most of the guys that come, they don't come once, right? It becomes yeah. this. Once they come, yeah, it's they a life Because they understand the importance of it, yes. and it's this life-altering deal for them. Right. Because when you see a child, That's right. it's you start to think about – uh, you know, you thought you start to think about your own family, your own children, and frankly yourself. And you're like, you know what, man? Like, there's nothing they did to deserve this. And here's this place that is honestly saving lives day in and day out. And so I'm very proud that I'm from a city that has a tournament like this. But it is, and it, it seems cliche to say, or or you know, it seems catty to say, oh, it's more than golf. But like, it, it truly is here a bigger deal. And so the fact that you get the top 50 guys right. coming to a tournament yes. here. It's all that much more attention that's drawn to it. And I think it's going to be unbelievable. I do. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll just give that shout out to FedEx throwing its weight behind and making sure that this WGC, getting that WGC status for a tournament that's very, very deserving on the tour calendar to have that charity receive the prominent attention that it deserves. Now, all of the tour events have charitable affiliations and associations, and they're great. And the, the tour raises a ton of money for charities across the, the year. But this one is always, a, a, you know, such a prominent and well-deserving charity and one where we're, we're all familiar with it. it. It has, you know, properly achieved national acclaim for the work that it does on behalf of, of these kids. And so, you know, having associating the very, very top of, of the golf world order with this event, it, it, it just feels right. And it also doesn't hurt that we're going to have some unbelievable barbecue and fried chicken. That is for sure. We've already had a little barbecue and hopefully, hey, look, you know it's a big deal if I got Joe House here. <laughs> you know it's a big deal. Like, I think you would have come for the food, but I knew if it's food and golf, it was 100%. It was a lock. Lock of the century. And if this thunderstorm that we're looking at out here at Spring Creek Ranch will calm down, we'll get out and play some ourselves, Verno. I promise to honor Xander Shaflite today <laughs> and be an epic disaster. <laughs> okay. Done it. We're not going to do any better than that. Verno, thanks as always, my man. Thanks for coming to Memphis, House. I love it here. All right, my par-saving pals, there we go. Thanks for listening to Fairway Roll and part of the Rigger Podcast Network. We're off for a couple weeks. We're going to take a, a break just like Tiger. Uh, but we shall be back as the FedEx Cup gets rolling along here, hopefully with a couple more winners, but certainly we'll be tracking our boy Brooks Kepka and all the young fellas as they get after it. Until then, let's head him straight out there. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.